everybody. Welcome back to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here with Mark Blankenship. Yo! Uh, Mark brought us a newer song today, Bastille's Pompeii, which I believe is from January 2013. Uh, I was not familiar with the song at all, and then promptly disappeared down this YouTube hole of all these different versions of it. There were like all these remixes, and then there was an acoustic version I'd like to discuss, but... First, let's hear from Mark about why he brought this song to us. Mark. Yes, I am someone who listens to the top 40 countdown of the British pop charts every week. And very often that introduces me to songs before they become hits in America or songs that never become hits in America. And in 2012-ish, I heard another song by Bastille called Flaws that reached the lower portion of the uh, British Top 40, and I loved it. And so I instantly downloaded it. It was the only thing you could download by Bastille in America at the time. And then I heard this song, which became a big hit in the UK. I think it peaked at number two in the UK. And I could not get enough of it. And uh, then when it became a top five hit in America over a year later in 2014 almost like 18 months after I first heard it, I was thrilled that America was finally like uh, on board. But I just think this song is one of those little diamonds that pops up on the radio or on the pop charts every year where it, it just is so striking and melodically interesting and lyrically interesting. And it's typically um, from a group that you never hear from again. It's like there's this whole string of songs by bands that are single solo artists they have one really weird, interesting hit, and then they're gone forever. And uh, I fear that the same may be true of Bastille. They haven't had another hit, but I love their entire debut album called Bad Blood. I love this song, and let's hear a little snippet of it now. And the walls kept tumbling down in the city that we love. Great clouds all over the You close your eyes Does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes Does it almost feel like you've been here before? How am I going to be an optimist about this? How am I going to be an optimist about this? We were caught up and lost it. So, Sarah, what I would like to discuss... Um, First is the sound of this song. And then after we've talked about that, I'd like to discuss the content of this song. Because I think those are two very different and hopefully equally interesting conversations to have. Uh, The first thing, though, I want to talk about is the sound. Because this song and Bastille in general belongs to a group of, I guess, lush pop bands that I really like. Their music is typically very melodically... Uh, pretty, it's layered, there's usually some sort of interesting thing happening with percussion. I'm thinking of um, Walk the Moon, who had the song that was popular last year called Shut Up and Dance. I'm thinking of Travis or Keen or... Uh, Barcelona, or, yeah, to an extent. Uh, or um, uh, Snow Patrol, mm-hmm. and honestly Coldplay in their better moments. Yeah, that was the first thing I thought of, is like, this is everything that Coldplay is once it's like deflated of some of the stadium pomp that yes yeah 
back when Coldplay was an, was a band that very few people knew, and they were on the cool kids' radar in the in the clocks parachutes era. That that was sort of where they were falling, and I just really love the what I consider to be the passion of these bands. Like the the, the music sounds passionate. There's something really driving and 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 beautiful about it and it just sounds like that the the bands mean it that there's not that ironic remove that you get from say a death cab for cutie song although i do love death cab for cutie that there's something just grandiose about it i guess florence and the machine would be another one they take it to the extreme of the grandiosity but i just right the grandeur is actually the word i'm looking for grandiose is more of a negative term grandeur and i just find it very thrilling to listen to i i love i love these melodies i love the overlay of all of the vocal things that are happening and i love that skittering drum beat and it just all makes me very happy and it feels like music for grown-ups in a positive way not music for grown-ups in that you only hear it when you go to the dmv or to get your birth control refilled so i'm wondering what you think about the sound of this song uh i really loved it i felt like it told a story but it didn't take too long to do it um the first thing i wrote down was cold play um that's not a negative like and i also don't think necessarily that in pop music of this style and especially like when you are named Bastille and the song is called Pompeii like go big why not Um, (laughs) right have like have a big idea and execute on it uh and that is often part of what makes a good um indie song is a sense of alienated melodrama but then the sort of beauty of this song is that I don't think he is alienated like I don't think the I don't think this person, this lead singer who is like sort of in looks like has the big Morrissey quiff of hair, but is also much more optimistic, I would say, as he says himself in the lyrics. Um, yeah, I I like this song. I'm, you know, I'm keeping it. Like sometimes we, um, sometimes we adopt these songs for a couple of weeks and it's just like you're fostering the song. And then once we're done with the episode, I'm like, good luck in your, you know, good luck with your new family. But this one, I will be, this one I will be keeping. Or you dump it in the woods off the side of the, off the side of the right. highway. Drown it in a boot. Yeah. It's on a farm upstate. <laughs> we Kids, promise. It's fine. We just heard from the farmers. <laughs> He's having a wonderful time. I'd also like to say before we move on to the lyrics that I, as I said, I did vanish down this like YouTube right rail recommendations hole of like a bunch of club remixes of it. And then I found this acoustic version of it on a French channel that seems to be entirely devoted to letting like top European plugged in bands do. And like, not just acoustic in this case with like acapella, like the drummers like clapping his hands on his thighs and stomping on his guitar case for rhythm and then they're having to do the you know AO AO parts in harmony live and communicate with each other and it's not that different of a song it is more like it is darker I think without Mm -hmm. all the guitars and stuff like that but there is a guitar and it's always pleasing to me to see and again as I said in the last episode, as we both did, we have no objection to machined pop. Right. Um, 
there is something to be said for like the uniformity and reliability of a pop song that has been made to code as it were but to watch a band thinking its way through its own song and figuring out how to communicate it and to each other um, without anything that plugs in or without any like signals or little lights on the box there's the guy on the left I don't know the band members names I apologize you can hear him like praying that he doesn't go off pitch or miss the cue and um, the lead singer is sort of pacing in this very teeny little figure eight and it sort of made me emotional it was like watching someone watching their child being born and it made the like original or album version of the song much more meaningful to me to see how to see what it was like to to make it and then to have to make it again and then I just started watching all these other songs on this channel because I think that's all this outfit does is like invite bands to come stand in like an empty room in some converted castle and do their like big hit songs like you get one instrument i guess i'm not i don't read french it's so like I'm not an sure even what... more stripped down unplugged it's like yeah, unplugged like bonus. I'll, i mean i'll put a link to this particular version in the show notes on our facebook page and um yeah if someone sort of can grok the dealy with this youtube channel then please feel free but it's sort of a cool idea that it's like why don't you guys come over and show us how this happened in someone's living room i don't know it was neat well, I love that, and it is so moving in a way to think about the fact that music doesn't have to be about machines, that music does actually come from the body, that there's just something really powerful about thinking about them. Yeah. They're just slapping their own thighs. They're just That's like really powerful, and it is nice to think about that these bands or these artists who have massive successes with songs that clearly are made in studios can still tap into the very elemental thing about music that is so exciting. And you're right. I also love the machine-styled pop song, but that is really powerful. And this idea of the really human... When you can see hand tool marks yeah. on it, that's fun too. Like, right. It's like when yeah. I went into a... Uh, there's an old house in uh, New York called the Merchant House that you can visit, and you can see from the 19th century all of the places on the kitchen equipment where the kitchen equipment was used mm -hmm. and there's just something so incredibly beautiful to me about seeing the hand markings that human beings have made on these tools and these in this old house and it's something similar it's like the evidence of the hand the evidence of the body is exciting it just reminds us that music or whatever almost anything can actually be a way of connecting to something human which yeah. is not what you necessarily expect when you hear a top five hit on the radio. Well, I mean, not to go down like the English 371 road, but, but please if you do. look back at Wordsworth's um, prose and his trying to, you know, in on lyrical ballads, sort of explain that before there was speech and conversation, that singing was the was humanity's first means of communication, and from there. This principle that I've been thinking a lot about, because on uh, Previously.TV, our uh, fine-feathered friend Adam Grossworth and I have been re-watching Cop Rock. <laughs> yes, I've been enjoying those. principles that they seem to keep missing, which Paul McCrane, who was in the show, mentioned specifically, is that the like what makes musical theater 
work, like what makes it stay up in the air, is the idea that you absolutely have to sing. Like this character has no other way to communicate except via the body. Right. Like that you can't just say, like turn to the audience and deliver a monologue, that there must be song, that there are things that like mere spoken word can't contain and you have to use the whole body and the whole like range of sound. And so, I mean, Wordsworth was like way ahead of everybody on that tip. Right. Certainly and possibly invented the principle. But um, yes, anyway, for more of my um, for more of my bought and paid for musings on Wordsworth et al. I actually think I got a C plus on that paper, but I argued it pretty well. I would have given you an A right there. A minus at the yeah, certainly. <laughs> yeah, but he I mean, he's talking about sort of like the reason that bird song or two birds singing to each other could have like a profound emotional effect on him in the morning and then the concept of the romantic capital R poetry that's emotion recollected in tranquility but when you're talking about that emotion at the time like when we all had vestigial tales it was a much different it was a much different affair that we would have been singing to communicate even if it was only a logistical, like it's actually easier to communicate a three note message across a whole valley to the hunting party on the other ridge or whatever right. the rationale was. But I, I think of that frequently, like being a writer and editor who likes music. I think of that frequently. That's like that music, that the music came first, the melody came first and then the lyrics. Right. Nice segue, finally, those of you who have been fast-forwarding through this dissertation may now hit play. Lyrically, what would you like to say about this song? What I love lyrically is that this song is literally about the fall of Pompeii. It is not a metaphor about a broken heart. I mean, I'm gonna, the lyrics are, We were caught up and lost in all of our vices, in your pose as the dust settled around us, and the walls kept tumbling down in the city that we love, Great clouds roll over the hills, bringing darkness from above. But if you close your eyes, does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? How am I going to be an optimist about this? It's just about Pompeii being destroyed by a volcano. Yeah. And I just think that it is so awesome when a pop song can be about something so weird and still be a hit. And that was the other thing I just wanted to talk about was pop songs about really weird shit that became hits anyway. Like, to me, one of the perfect examples is... Suzanne Vega writes Luca about a child being abused. Top three on the pop charts. You know, everybody was jamming out to Luca, which is a wonderful song, but it's about something really, really strange if you stop and think about it. And I just love it when we get a song snuck into our cultural conversation that isn't something that we would expect it to be about. And Pompeii is another great example of that. And then in the video, it's interesting. I wonder how... I wonder how this was pitched because it does wind up being much more of a like 28 days later walking dead concept. Right. Visually. Um, although in the end he is overtaken by the cloud. I do wonder if um, that they were like, no, 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 it's really about Pompeii and the executive in charge of budgeting this video was like, <laughs> but it could also be about zombies, right? Mate? Please, please let it Do also... you want to make the video or not? And he was like, I guess it could be about zombies <sighs> in Pompeii. And they're like, we're not fucking flying you to Italy, mate. Get over it. 
<laughs> yeah. And I also like that you look at the lyrics and it's like, all right, this is pretty broad and vague, but at least it makes sense. Right. It's like two people talking to each other and then, oops, we're turning to ash. Yeah. How am I supposed to be an optimist about this? Great question. Um, <laughs> there is no way. I could be worse. You could be in Herculaneum. You'd already be dead before you wrote the song. But I do feel pretty optimistic that I will be listening to all of my Bastille songs uh, shortly after we finish this record and enjoying them all. And with that, I say I am an optimist also about the next time we gather, Sarah, for Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. <laughs> As am I. You bet your ash. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry at all, and I'm not cutting it. Bye, guys. Great clouds roll over the hills, bringing darkness from above. But if you close your eyes, it Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is a weekly podcast created and hosted by Mark Blankenship and Sarah D. Bunting and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. That's me. If you'd like to request a song for discussion or share the mixtape of your soul, we are all about it. Send us an email at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or visit our brand spanking new Facebook page. That's mastes.podcast, or just search Facebook for Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Today's theme music was written and performed by David Gregory Byrne. And if you'd like to buy an ad, we welcome you. Advertise your business, send a personal message, or just hum a few bars. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com to get started with your advertising journey. Until next week, this is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this... And this was Mark and Sarah talk about songs talk about songs <laughs> uh, well if it's too professional people will feel alienated <laughs>